Welcome to the Good Fight Radio Show, a program dedicated to bringing you vital and uncompromised truths that you won't hear in the mainstream media, discussing contemporary issues in light of the Bible and how these issues relate to family, culture, and the church. The heart of this show is to glorify Jesus Christ and expose the works of darkness as he is commanded in Ephesians 5.11. Now here's your host, Good Fight Ministries' own Chad Davidson. Welcome back to the Good Fight Radio Show. I'm your host, Chad Davidson of Good Fight Ministries. And with me, as always, is the show's producer, Tony Palacio. How are you doing today, bro? Praising God for another great day. Amen. Uh, we are. So, <laughs> hey. I, I, I get. Uh, I always think of Tony Maddox singing that song, you know, <laughs> yeah. back in the day. Um, that's a local Blessed Hope Chapel uh, plug there. But uh, nonetheless, we are so excited to be back with you guys for the Good Fight Radio Show. Joe is out this week, but I do not want you guys to be concerned. He's just simply other the, under the weather. It has nothing to do with his heart or anything that you know. I know that a lot of you guys have been praying about. But uh, we continue. We wanted to continue to do some shows. He had planned on coming in to do a couple more, but he just wasn't feeling just right. And I know Tony's pretty careful about not getting sick so he did not mm-hmm. want to have joe in the office and we've been pretty contagious when we have come in here <laughs> yeah. uh you know good for tony he's been able to endure and not have to get too sick from us but anyways it's, it's those antibodies yeah yeah you, you know <laughs> I, I don't know what what it's what it's from what blood type you are you know i told someone it was really interesting because i I train and, and disciple and, and lift weights with uh brother in christ uh armon and I got COVID. I gave Joe COVID probably here on Tuesday, uh, um, Tuesday before Thanksgiving, because I didn't have any symptoms. I didn't know when we filmed the Great Reset. And then I sat, you know, we sat there together. We went out to dinner afterwards and mm-hmm. had a had a um, a good fight meeting. And then, um, you know, hung out, whatever. And Joe got it. Lisa got it. My wife got it. Everyone got it. But I was going to the gym the entire time with Armon. <laughs> Like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then on Thursday, <laughs> Thanksgiving, on Thanksgiving right? yeah. we went to a grappling uh, class where we rolled around and sweat all over each other, trying to choke each other out. So uh, it's really weird that some people get it and some people don't. And then him, his entire household got it. Not not from right. then. It was a couple weeks later. Praise God. So I wasn't just the super spreader or anything like that. <laughs> but uh, but then his mom, his dad, his sister, they all got it, and he didn't. It's just the weirdest thing, man. I'm like, I don't know. Maybe it's the Armenian blood, but they're all Armenian, so I don't know what I'm it's talking. It's a smart about. virus. Yeah, yeah. Smart. It doesn't affect any of the writers or any of those people either. <laughs> well, that too. Yeah, yeah, that too. But uh, yeah, no, we, uh, you know, we were even told with Joe, like if you if he gets it, his cardiologist told him if you get it, it's a death sentence. You know, so I believe the prayers are also a big, big reason for that. You know, yeah. God, um, God had something else to say about that. Yeah, he did. Yes, Praise the Lord. yes, he did. And, and we've been excited. I've, I know for me. It not only takes a lot of the workload, but you guys have to realize that I am learning as well alongside of you guys. I am sitting there. We go through all these material. I send out the message to Tony and to Joe, and Joe always changes them. But uh, <laughs> but when we when we dig into the material, going back and forth, I'm going to study all of that coming up before we meet, and then I'm going to be listening to Joe, who's been studying it outside of there, and Tony as well, so that when we come together and do these shows, it's something that... It's not only on our heart, because that's why we brought it up, or somebody asks us a question and we really would love to be able to answer it, but also because it's something that we've dug into. We want to make sure that whenever we come and do a show, and that's going to be very important today with the discussion that Tony and I are going to be having, 
When we come into a show, we want to make sure we are rightly dividing the word of truth. One of the things that we do is we pour out our hearts in prayer before every every time before we record. We, we're praying together as a group. We're praying during the week. I know that when I'm opening God's word, I'm asking him to reveal his wonderful mysteries to me and that I would not go and exceed that which is written and that I would ultimately get all of my wisdom, all of my guidance, anything I'm getting is from the Word of God. Because if we go out to these other sources and stuff, even if there's commentaries and scholars that I really enjoy and I learn a lot from, uh, ultimately, if I'm not going back to the Word of God and testing them, I'm not even doing what the Bereans did with Paul the Apostle, who was basically walking Scripture, right? Like, So it's just something that's really, really important. I think when it comes to the issue at hand today— if ever, it's a really, really important thing if we dig into the Word and say, I will submit. Lord, I will submit to what your Word says. I know that I may be involved in some tradition. I know that I may have a pastor. I may have a bunch of teachers that I listen to on the radio or somebody that I follow that has changed my opinion about something or that has given me my opinion, and then I now have a new presupposition that I read the scriptures from when I go into them. And I think that's one of the more dangerous things. In fact, I was just recently having a discussion concerning this issue with someone, and specifically when they did not want to debate the scriptures that I had posted uh, in just wanting to have a conversation, they talked about, once again, their own feelings. They talked, once again, about how their own personal experience dictates how they view what the scriptures say. And I'm not going to put all the scriptures that we're talking about, that I was talking about there, because this one, this episode, is one that I would like to discuss something that I've said over and over again on shows. You guys have probably heard me. If you've seen the opening title to this, you've probably heard me say this while we were going through the discussions of the different views of once save, always save, easy beliefism, perseverance of the saints, and the different ways that uh, people still believe in what is known as eternal security. And so I believe in eternal security, but we can be talking about two different things Mm -hmm. (laughs) while discussing the same words. Now, that's something that's really important. We talk about that with sovereignty, right? I believe I am absolutely, positively, eternally secure in Christ. I do not believe I am eternally secure apart from Christ. And that's one of the things that we're going to be talking about today. But I believe that revelation, and and I actually encouraged uh, the, the lady I was talking with today, Please just go through Revelation chapter 2 and at least the first half of chapter 3. I encourage her to check out the letters written to the seven churches. Now, I hear plenty of people that say, oh, we're reading someone else's mail. That's true. But at the end of someone else's mail, he says the same thing over and over again. He who has an ear, Mm -hmm. let him hear what the Spirit says to the seven churches. So that's something that do you have ears? I hope so if you're listening to this. Um, and we need to le- read, heed, and be blessed if we do when it comes to the book of Revelation. And so I want to read from chapter 2. Now, before I get into that, I, I've talked to you guys about this a number of times on here, but I love reading in whenever someone sends me a verse. What do you think this means, right? I love reading in what, what I, I like to call 2020 vision, 
right? You read the 20 verses before and the 20 verses after to make sure someone doesn't have a pretext they're trying to get across to you. So I think that's really, really important. Now, I would say that if you open up Revelation chapter 2, if you understand what the book, who wrote it and all that, and who's speaking in Revelation chapter 2, I think that could give you the context very easily without reading chapter 1. And remember, there's actually exactly 20 verses in chapter 1. So it's really interesting. You could do that very simply if you were just reading a verse in starting in chapter 2. But nonetheless, the reason why we do that is to gain that context. And a lot of times, and you could check this out multiple times, this is something that the Holy Spirit does through Paul a number of times, where he deals with the supremacy of Christ and how awesome he is before doling out some worthy commands, before giving a, a statement of who is the one who has placed the pastors and teachers, uh, apostles, prophets, and so forth. In Ephesians chapter 4, he deals with the supremacy of Christ right before that and says he's the one who has put them there. Okay? So I love that stuff. Now, if there's any more awesome description of Jesus, I, I think maybe Revelation chapter 1 mm. is my favorite description of Jesus. I mean, you are talking about a radical, radical description. And I'll just start real quick on uh, in verse 12. And he says, And I turned and see the voice that was speaking. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. In the middle of the lampstands was one like a son of man, clothed in a right robe, uh, reaching his feet, and girded across his breast with a golden girdle. And his head is like hair, and, and his hair were white, like white wool, like snow. And his eyes were like a flame of fire. And his feet were like burnished bronze, when it has been caused to glow in a furnace. And his voice was like the sound of many waters. And in his right hand he held seven stars. And out of the mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. And his face was like the sun shining in its strength. Boom. Uh, right? <laughs> right? Right? This is my Jesus. Like, when you guys think of, you know, Jesus holding a little lamb or something in these pictures that they draw, also think about him in this light as well. Because he did come as Messiah ben Joseph, and he did die a horrible death, but he also is coming back to rule and to reign and to trod and his robe dipped in blood. I mean, this is my Savior, that his eyes are like a flame of fire. That his face shine as the sun in its strength. I love that. In its strength. It's 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 crazy enough that his face shines like the sun, but <laughs> let's just add the fact that it's in his strength. So this is my Jesus. And in, in my mind, when I am reading this, I am seeing him specifically say, this is the one giving this message. So let's take it seriously. That's one thing I want to point out. And I, I was telling... Tony, before this, I've been trying to my, my best to read through the Bible in, in 30 days. That's that's my goal, you know, and I got a lot of other stuff we're doing. We have some interviews coming up, so we've been working on reading some books and listening to teachings um, from the guys we're going to be interviewing. But nonetheless, I was like, I really still want to try to do that. And I read the uh, all of the book of Revelation uh, yesterday, uh, yesterday morning. And I was like, man, every time I read it, I feel like I'm learning something new every single time. And I'm talking about every single chapter. And then today, coming in, I said, man, I would love to just go through chapter two because I believe there is a lot to be said here. And as you see the title of this episode, there's a lot to be said in that regard. So with all of that, let's read that awesome Jesus whose face shines like the sun in its strength, who has eyes like a flame of fire, a tongue like a two-edged sword. Let's read what he has to say, and let's read it with the backdrop of how awesome he is. Can we do that? I mean, that's my favorite thing. Can we do that when we read the scriptures and we hear Jesus speaking to us? Can we read it in the awesome nature that he is and have that embedded into our hearts? Okay, let's go. Verse 1. 
To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands says this, I know your deeds and your toil and perseverance and that you cannot endure evil men and you put to test those who call themselves apostles and they are not and you found them to be false and you have perseverance and have endured for my, uh, for my name's sake and have not grown weary. So here we have the commendation of the church of Ephesus. What's going on there? Just some radical commendation, right? You have some perseverance going on there. You have them testing these people out, making sure they are who they say they are. They find out that they aren't and he, they go, nope, sorry, you're out of here. Now, I want to point this out because once again, we're going to read in the end of this chapter or end of this, uh, this letter to the church of Ephesus. One of the things you're going to see is he who has an ear, let him hear. This should be, when it's commended, something that we as a body of Christ, we as the church, we who are involved in local churches, remember these letters were written to local churches, the church of Ephesus, Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamon, and so forth. When we see these things, recognize that God is also speaking to us to recognize these things in the churches that he's commending and make sure that ours as well would do the same, that we would be, that we would persevere, that we as a church would also recognize false teachers, that we would call themselves apostles and they are not, and 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 prove that they are false, and that not in to endure evil men. These are things that we need to also as a church do, okay? But let's get to verse four, because we need to also say, wait, we want to make sure our church isn't doing this, and this is really important. Verse four, but I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Man, would that not be tough to hear? Would that not be tough to hear? Mm-hmm. You know, when, and and this is something that, uh, I know we've talked about this, Tony, in the past as well, but this is something that when it comes to like counseling someone, right? Like a, a married couple that might be having struggles. One of the things that I want them to do is awaken some of those memories of love in their mind because I do believe Satan tries to get you to forget those things and remember the things that you're really bothered by, right? And he does he does the opposite when you leave someone who may be treacherous to your life, right? You'll remember all and romanticize all the, the good things, right? Like the uh, the Israelites did with Egypt. Remember the garlic? <laughs> you know, like, well, what are you talking about? You know, they t- you know they forgot Joseph was ever a part of you and they... Uh, killed your firstborn sons. But anyways, um, you, you don't want to forget those things. But here, what we have is somebody who had come into love with Jesus, had done these deeds. Maybe, I, I says, I guess you could express the fact that they have all their doctrinal T's and I's uh, crossed and their I's dotted, but they've ultimately forgotten their first love. They've forgotten their first love. And then verse 5 says, Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, and repent, and do the deeds you did at first, or else I am coming to you, and will remove your lampstand out of its place, unless you repent. Guys, this is really, really important here. Because if you tell me by reading this that he won't remove their lampstand from its place, then guess what? You are telling me that what he said is not true. The unless you repent means they need to. You can't just sit there and read that and say, oh, well, they don't really need to, or he won't really remove their lampstand. And this is not, this is just the first warning. We're going to get to more, and it gets even stronger, especially when we get into chapter three. But let's keep going. Yet this you do have, that you hate the deeds of Nicolaitans, which I also hate. That's really, really important, right? 
see what the doctrine and and I could go over I don't have enough time here I could go over some of the doctrines that they believe the Nicolaitans a lot of them some people attest that the Nicolaitan doctrine would be similar to the doctrine that was uh, exposed in the the uh, in the writing of Jude. I've I've read that and 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 I don't want to go too deep into it, um, but it seems somewhat of a licentious nature. But let's go to verse seven. It says, "He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God." Now, when I say you make a promise meaningless. When I promise something, as Jesus promises here, and then you don't actually do it, and you get it anyways, okay, mm. the promise was meaningless, right? If I tell my son, okay, if you clean your room, I will take you out for ice cream, and he sits around and doesn't clean his room, and I go, all right, you ready for ice cream? I take him out for ice cream. Guess what my promise was? My promise was meaningless, God's promises are not meaningless. So when he says, to him who overcomes, I will grant to you to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. And you say, well, actually, you don't really have to overcome in order to get that. What you're saying is he didn't really tell you the truth. That's what you're saying. You're just taking them for ice cream, even though they didn't clean their room. To him who overcomes, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Now, I want to keep going because... I can see that thing. It moves so fast when I'm going like this. But um, I, I, <laughs> about just, 22 minutes. Let me, or let I mean me, 12 minutes. 12 minutes. So when I give you guys, uh, when I mean it's going fast, is I can see Tony's computer and there is a, a line that has the reverberations of when I speak and I can see it moving down towards the outro. So that's <laughs> what I'm That's what I'm mentioning. But nonetheless. That's why you speak faster and faster. I do. Yeah. Joe's a lot <laughs> Joe worse than me. Too. Okay. <laughs> Joe's a lot worse than me. But he is the only pastor, him and Steve. Um, Steve's a much slower talker, but Joe teaches, you know, 10 times to one in terms of how, many, how often he teaches. So uh, most of the teaching I've heard is from somebody who speeds up at the end of a message every time. So let's get to Smyrna. And to the angel of the church of Smyrna write, the first and the last who was dead and has come to life says this, I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. And the blasphemy by those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan do not fear, but what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to cast some of you into prison, that you may be tested, and you will have tribulation ten days. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. What does Jesus tell them? Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. If you're telling me they did not actually need to be faithful, and you do not understand and quote when Paul talks to Timothy and says, when I am faith, when you are faithless, I am faithful. I cannot deny myself. And you don't understand that verse and don't realize he says right before that, if you deny me, I will deny you and recognize that what he's talking about is him in his nature. And to those, whether or not you choose to follow God, whether or not you are the one who does not endure, whether or not you are the one who is not faithful. He is still always faithful. Your faithlessness doesn't change his nature. That's what Paul is telling Timothy. So I want to point that out to you because this right here is a call to faithfulness to the church of Smyrna. Be faithful unto death and I will give you life. Guys, this is so important for us to grasp that we cannot look at this text and, 
See him saying, be faithful. What a great promise that he will give us the crown of life and then put words into Jesus's mouth and tell him, but if you're faithless, I will still give it to you. That's not what this says. The book of Revelation over and over and over again is a book of overcomers and not just a book of overcomers, but a book calling us and commanding us to overcome, not only by promise, but we will get into it. Just as he warned the church of Ephesus, the warnings will get more and more stronger, more and more serious as we dig in here. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. Oh yeah, if you thought, well, that's just the church of Smyrna. He who has an ear, and then he says it again. He who has an ear, and in the promise, you won't be hurt by the second death. Verse 12, we're going to deal with Pergamon now. Well, Jesus is dealing with it. We're going to read, and we're going to heed and be blessed. And to the angel of the church of Pergamum, right, the one who has the sharp two-edged sword says this, I know where you dwell, where Satan's throne is, and you hold fast my name and did not deny my faith. Even in the days of Antipas, my witness, my faithful one, who was killed among you where Satan dwells. But I have a few things against you, because because you there, uh, sorry, you have there some who hold to the teaching of Balaam, who kept teaching Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel, to eat things sacrificed to idols, and commit acts of immorality. Thus, You also have some who in the same way hold the teaching of the Nicolaitans. Repent, therefore, or else I am coming to you quickly, and I will make war against them with the sword of my mouth. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, to him I will give some of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone and a new name written on the stone, which no one knows but he who receives it. Repent, therefore, verse 16, or else I am coming quickly. Repent or else. Once again, we have the warning. I am going to give you a spanking, right? If you don't stop doing this. But then, well, never mind. You kept doing it and I never gave you a spanking. I'm going to tell you this. God doesn't go back on his promises. He will if you repent. And I think that Jeremiah chapter 18 talks about that. I think Jonah as well, where Jonah was going to, to, to Nineveh and proclaimed to them that they were going to be wiped out and they repented. And he was not too happy about the repentance, right? That's how he ends it, right? Unhappy about the repentance of the, uh, the Ninevites. So we look at this and we see, repent therefore or else. Guys, this is the, one of the most important or else's you could ever hear or read, Right? Or else we should take, read, see, heed, absolutely, positively, and recognize that Jesus means what he says. Or else I am coming to you quickly, and I will make war against them with the sword of my mouth. That's a pretty powerful sword because that sword, it says that God spoke everything into existence, right? The first verse of that God said, let there be light, right? This is the same God, and I don't want that that God coming to me because I didn't repent when he told me or else. Because what does it say? He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Verse 18, we're going to get to Thyatira. 
And the angel of the church in Thyatira write, The Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire, and his feet are like burnished bronze, says this, I know your deeds, and your love, and faith, and service, and perseverance, and that your deeds of late are greater than that of first. Wow, that's pretty good, right? But I have this against you, that you tolerate the woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, and she teaches and leads my bondservants astray so that they commit acts of immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. This part's crazy to me when I read that. All the terrible things she did. Verse 21, and I gave her time to repent, and she does not want to repent of her immorality. This reminds me so much of John chapter 5, 39 and 40, that they were unwilling to come to him that they may have life. That in when Jesus weeps over Jerusalem, I believe it's Matthew 23, right? At the end of Matthew 23, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, and he cries out. He would want to gather them, right? But they were unwilling. It's the same thing over and over. It's their unwillingness that is wicked. It's their unwillingness that does not allot them the grace that could be theirs. Over and over again, that's what we see in the scriptures. Verse 22, behold, I will cast her upon a bed of sickness, and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation, unless they repent of their deeds. Guys, if you allow, and notice that word, tolerate, they tolerate and allow this false prophetess to come in their midst, and then some are taken away by them. That's why I believe God is so serious about doctrine. That's why he says, watch your life and your doctrine, and by doing those, you will save yourself and those who hear you. Guys, that's why it says mark and avoid, remove, get away from those false teachers. That's why they're called out over and over again. God's promises usually come alongside of warnings, and that's what we're seeing over and over again. And I will kill her children with pestilence. And all the churches will know that I am he who searches the minds and the hearts. And I will give to each one of you according to your deeds. But I say to you, the rest who are in Thyatira, who do not hold this teaching, who have not known the deep things of Satan, and as they call them, I place no other burden on you. Nevertheless, what you have, hold fast until I come. And he who overcomes, and he who keeps my deeds until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, as the vessels of the potter are broken to pieces, as I also have received authority from my Father, and I will give him the morning star. And he he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to seven churches. Once again, over and over again, we have warnings and promises. When you take the warnings and throw them to the side and say, well, even if you don't endure, even if you don't overcome, you're still going to get it. You've made them impotent. They have no potency. They lack power. And guess what? Those promises become useless because you're going to get it anyway. That's not what the Bible says. And I'm going to go, I have one minute apiece on the last three. Is that right? Mm, Yep. (laughs) All right, let's go to Sardis. And to the angel of the church of Sardis, he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars says this, I know your deeds, that you have a name that you are alive, but you are dead. Wake up and strengthen the things that remain, which were about to die. For I have not found your deeds completed in the sight of God. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard and keep it and repent. If therefore... You will not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what hour I will come upon you. But you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their garments, and they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He who overcomes shall thus be clothed in white garments, and I will not erase his name from the book of life, and I will confess his name before my Father and before the angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says of the seven churches. Guys, real quick, you are being rubbed out of the book of life. This promise means nothing if there's no warning from it, right? 
He tells them, I will not erase you, those who will be closed and those who will overcome. I will not erase you from the book of life. That doesn't mean I get to apply this to the non-overcomer and say, well, he'll never blot your name out of the book of life. No, I apply that to the overcomer. Message to Philadelphia and to the church of Philadelphia, right? He who is holy, who is true, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, and who shuts and no and no one opens, says this, I know your deeds. Behold, I have put before you an open door, which no one can shut, because you have a little power, and have kept my word, and have not denied my name. Behold, I will cause those of the synagogue of Satan, who say they are Jews and are not, but lie. Behold, I will make them to come and bow down at your feet, and to know that I have loved you, because you have kept my word of perseverance. Why? Because they have persevered, because they have overcome come. I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have in order that no one will take your crown. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he will not go out from it anymore. And I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God and the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God and my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. Philadelphia was always already doing what was right. And he tells them to continue to overcome. Last one, Laodicea. And to the angel of the church of Laodicea, the amen, the faithful, the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God says this, I know your deeds that you are neither hot nor cold, but rather, um, I be, so because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth because you said I am rich and have become wealthy and need of nothing. I could go on, but I'm running out of time. This is my last thing. Look at these warnings. Look at the promises. Overcome, endure, persevere, and apply those promises to everyone who can hear with their ears. But if you are not overcoming, not enduring, apply those warnings and repent and live. You've been listening to the Good Fight Radio Show brought to you by Good Fight Ministries. If you're blessed by this show and would like to partner with us, please consider visiting our Patreon page at patreon.com goodfight. Or you can write to us at P.O. Box 2202, Simi Valley, California, 93062. Or call us toll-free at 1-866-JC-TRUTH. That's 1-866-528-7884. We hope you'll tune in next time on the Good Fight Radio Show.